I'm going to do something maybe a little bit different. Normally I'll take a, a passage of Scripture and we'll kind of go through the verses of it. But I want to just take a phrase tonight and talk to you about it for a little bit. Been on my heart here for a couple of days. In the book of Luke, the gospel according to Luke, in chapter number 3. The gospel according to Luke, chapter number 3. Now we're going to read something that Matthew, Mark, and Luke will all tell us. And John will make mention of it. Jesus will in the book of John only under a little different circumstance. And then we'll find it in the book of Acts, and we'll find it also in the book of Revelation. Just a little phrase that I'm interested in concerning the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 3, in verse 21, the Bible said, Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized. Now can I stop right there and say something to you? has nothing to do with the message. But somebody will say to you sometime along the way, in order to be saved, you must get baptized. And they'll tell you that baptism washes away your sin. The only problem is we have the sinless Son of God here being baptized. He had no sin to be washed away. So we learned that that's not what baptism is about. You say, oh, preacher, what is baptism? Baptism is about identification. We get baptized after we get saved to testify to the world what has happened on the inside, to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. So why did he get baptized? He got baptized to identify with you and I. He, uh, he said, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. I feel like I just need to preach here a minute. Years ago, I was in a service in Cocoa, Florida, and um, Dr. Roy Goodson was preaching. And he was preaching on this subject, Are You a Question Mark or a Declaration Point? That was the title of the sermon. And in the sermon, he talked about that dove. Because when we see Jesus baptized, the Holy Ghost rests upon him in the form of a dove. And he said that dove, we read about him way back in the book of Genesis. He was in the ark. And Noah sent him out of that ark. And the Bible said he found no place to rest the sole of his feet. There was no, why was that? Because there's nothing left but dirt, uh, rotten, corrupting bodies floating on the water. And the Holy Ghost doesn't want anything to do with corruption and deadness. So he said that, 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 uh, dove came back to the ark and he was sent out again. And finally when he was sent out, he never came back. Dr. Good said, wonder what happened to him. Well, he was looking for some place where he could rest the sole of his feet that had no corruption in it. And he flew over all the Old Testament saints and all the good men they were and the prophets, but all of them had corruption. But one day he flew over that river Jordan and up out of the water came a man who had no corruption, Jesus Christ, the God-man, and he rested upon him. And so it's just a picture here about him identifying it with you and us, uh, you and I. So here we have him being baptized. Now, I stopped right in the middle of my text. Let me go back. Now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying. And here's the here's the little phrase I'm interested in. The heaven was opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, thou art my beloved son in thee. I am well pleased. Now, this little phrase, the heaven was Opened. I want to preach to you about that for a little while tonight on this subject. Heaven is open. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you we can be here assembled together with the saints of God. And I pray you'll help us tonight in the preaching of the word of God. Help us physically. Help us spiritually, Lord. Help me mentally. 
I just need you, Lord. I'm helpless without you. So I pray you'll have your way. Show yourself strong. Help your people tonight. And, Lord, we'll try and glorify you. And I know that if you're glorified, we'll get help. So help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. We're going to find this little phrase over and over again in our Bible. We found it in Luke. The heaven was open. Matthew will talk about it. He'll put it this way. The heavens were opened. And then in Mark, the Bible puts it this way. Straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open, talking about the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 11, the Bible said a man saw heaven opened. In Revelation 19, John said, I saw heaven opened. So we find out several times in our Bible we are told that there was a time when the heavens were opened. Now, I want to say this to you. If we go on and read our Bible, we'll find that heaven has not always been open. Sometimes heaven has been shut up. It's been closed up. Uh, in Genesis chapter 11, I've been going through, I went through the book of Genesis this week, and in every chapter just put a little title and a little uh, of a sermon and then uh, put it with a text. And I was reading over there in Genesis 11, and that that they were building that Tower of Babel. You remember, they're out all together. And uh, what it teaches us is that more is not always merrier. They had a bunch of folks, but they got themselves in a mess with God. Somebody said, well, if we just had more, we'd be doing good. No, sometimes more will make things worse off. But anyway, they wanted to build a tower that would reach all the way to heaven because heaven was closed to them. The Bible will tell us in Malachi that God, if you, if you will, if you will bring your tithe into the storehouse, you know what God will do? He'll open up the heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain it. So we read about heaven being opened and we read about sometimes heaven being closed. So I was thinking about this phrase that heaven is open or the heavens are open. And I want to give you four thoughts about that tonight that might encourage and help us in our Christian life. You say, preacher, when you talk about heaven being open, what do you mean by that? Well, let me say this first of all. Heaven is open. Open like a border is open for immigration. Now, we seem to have open borders now, and we're not supposed to have. Say amen right there. You say, are you getting political? I, I may be, and I don't care if I do. But anyway, uh, we got open borders, and I'm not against, I don't want you to get me wrong. I'm not against folks coming to America. I believe America is the greatest country in the world, and I'm glad to have, I was glad, I was blessed to be born here. Amen. And I'd like for everybody to be involved in that. I'd like for everybody to experience that, but I'd like them to do it legally. Amen. So we have America, and we're supposed to have a border where you come across and certain things you must do. But let me think about the border of heaven. You see, through the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, all of us can be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the new Jerusalem because he came and paid the price for us. In the book of Acts, the Bible said, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm glad he made a way that we could get to heaven. I remember one time they were telling about David Livingston, and he was that missionary, the great missionary in Africa, and they had a guide. 
And they're going through the brush and the jungle and trying to get through there. And, and uh, finally, one of them said to the guide, he said, uh, uh, I don't know. We don't know the way. We don't know how to go through. Uh, and the guy and they said, where is the way? And the guide looked at him and said, I am the way. Without me, you can't get through here. You can't get where you're going. Can I say that's just what's true of Jesus? He is the way, the truth and the life. And without him, you'll never get to heaven. There's no other mediator besides him. I was you're going to have this, you're going to find this hard to believe. But I was getting a haircut one time. And I was up in North Carolina and I went into this barber shop. I, I needed a haircut. I went in, the, I was preaching revival and I went in this barber shop and there were three barbers. There were two men barbers and a lady barber. Now, I'm, I, I don't think I'm a chauvinist, but uh, when I had hair, the only woman I wanted running her fingers through it was that woman sitting right over there, my wife. And I, I just didn't want that woman to cut my hair. I just didn't feel right about it. So anyway, and, and anyway, I'm standing there and I'm, I'm kind of looking out the window and I'm seeing the reflection of all the barbers and I'm kind of acting like I wasn't paying attention. And so sure enough, her chair got empty first. And so I'm still looking out the window and I hear this, <clears throat> sir. Oh, sir. And I, I turned, I said, me? She said, yes, sir. Are you here for a haircut? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, you can sit right here in this chair. I said, yes, ma'am. So I went and sat down in the chair. She leaned me back, sprayed my hair down with water. No barber had ever done that to me before, but I guess that's the way she did it. And I'm going somewhere with this, okay? And I'm leaning back. And I didn't know if I was going to get a shampoo or what was going to happen, but she started cutting on my hair. And then she said this to me. She said, now, are you new in town? I said, I'm just passing through. She was looking for a return customer. She said, here on business? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what business are you in? I said, I'm an old-time, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist preacher, and I'm here preaching revival. She said, oh, a reverend, a minister. I said, I guess so. She said to me, isn't it a coincidence that I would have a minister in my chair? I said, a coincidence? She said, oh, yes. She said, it's a coincidence that you would sit here today because she said, I've been on a journey of faith. I said, a what? She said, a journey of faith. I said, ma'am, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not familiar with that. I don't, I don't know what a journey of faith is. She said, oh, I've been visiting different religions and finding out where I should get involved. And what she meant was, I've been, I've been visiting different religions to find out where I could put one in my life and still be comfortable. That's what she meant. It's not what she said. And she said, I found one and she began to tell me. How if I wanted to pray to God, I had to pray to Mary to get to Jesus, to get to God. What she didn't know is there's one God and one mediator between man and God. The man, Christ Jesus. I talked to her a little bit. I never could get anywhere, but I was back up preaching there. I don't know. It's been three years ago or four years ago, and that was probably 20 years ago when I had some hair that I was in her barber chair. And I told that story, and a fellow came up to me afterward. He said, you know, that lady got saved. She got born again. I was glad to hear that. If you want to go to heaven, heaven is open, but you'll have to go through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your only hope. I thought about when I've crossed borders. I don't go out of the United States very much, but I have been to Mexico and I have been to Canada and preached and I've had some folks invite me to go to I've been invited to go to all over the place I've been invited to go to Romania and to Ireland and and to uh, England and uh, to Israel several places I never have gone because I was too busy to go but I did get a passport because I had to go to Canada and preach in Winnipeg and so I went and got a passport so that I could cross the border and go in and I thought about what I had to do I had to have a picture 
I brought a picture, and when I brought that picture, I could see what I looked like. And if you're going to get a passport into heaven, the first thing you have to do is you're going to have to get an idea what you look like to God. You're going to have to find out you're a sinner. You're going to have to see a true picture. I'm full of stories tonight. You'll just have to forgive me. I'm full of them tonight. I was I was pastoring a church, and one night we were having a youth meeting. Young people from most of them unchurched other than that youth night that they would come. And, and little folks, I'm talking about elementary kids. And we would do it every Monday night. And when I would do it, every time I'd do it, uh, I would have some kind of visual for them. So we were having parents' night. And so I came out. They did their singing, all their preliminaries. I was hiding in a room on the side. And when I came out, I had Hershey's chocolate syrup all over my face. It was on my face and my cheeks and my forehead. It was all over and dripping. And I came out, and those kids started laughing, and they started pointing, and they started carrying on. I said, what's the matter with you? And they said, you got stuff all over your face. you got stuff on your face. I said, I do not. I don't have anything on my – I argued with them for a little while. And so then finally I had uh, – I think it was Brother David Cole. I had him – I had him – he was in on the deal beforehand. It was a conspiracy. And I looked at him, and I said, Brother Cole, do I have anything on my face? He didn't actually lie. He just said, your face looks fine to me, preacher. And all those kids said, no, no, you got chocolate all over your face. It's all over your face. And Miss Linda Miller, she was there, and I had her. She was a part of the conspiracy. I said, does anybody have a mirror? She said, I've got one preacher. So she gave me a mirror, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, oh, no. I've got stuff all over my face. Did you ever read where James talked about looking into the perfect law of liberty? You know why some folk don't like to read their Bible? Because they see themselves in there. It tells us the truth about ourselves. And when I was going to get a passport, the first thing I'd do is get a picture so that I could see what I was like and they could see what I was like. And the best thing that will ever happen to you is to find out exactly what you're like. Because you know what you'll find out? You'll find out you're a sinner through and through. You'll find out all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You'll find out you're a sinner from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. You'll find out, the Bible said, that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. You'll find out your throat is an open sepulcher. You'll find out that you're an enemy of God and an adversary of God. And we go through a whole list of them. You'll find out you're a sinner. And that's the best thing that could ever happen to you. Because you know what Jesus said? He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. I, we may never get past this first point, but it would be all right. I was knocking on doors in Bloomingdale, Michigan one day. This has been, I don't know, 25 years ago. I was knocking on doors, and this elderly gentleman came to the door, and I introduced myself, and he introduced himself. And, and uh, I said, would you mind? I'm just out talking to people about Jesus. Could I talk to you a little bit? He said, come on in, young man. So I went in. He was, I think he was 80 years old, if I remember correctly. He sat me down in the living room. We got to talking. And uh, he said, now, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm the pastor of the Calvary Baptist Church over here uh, in Goebbels, Michigan. And I said, what do you do? He said, well, I'm retired. But he said, I'm a, I'm a lay preacher. And I grew up in the Methodist Church. I know what a lay preacher is. The man had never been ordained, but he preaches. I said, how long have you been a lay preacher? He said, 60 years. And I said, and you're 80 years old. I think it was 80. He said, yes, sir. 
So we talked a while, and I thought, you know, somebody had been preaching 60 years. I may not agree with all of his doctrine, but I ought to be able to learn something from somebody who been preaching 60 years. And so I talked to him a little while, and after we talked, had a very nice conversation. He was so polite and so pleasant. I said, well, you know, before I go, I want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. He said, okay. I said, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Do you know that for sure? He said, I hope so. I said, you know, I could take my Bible and show you how to turn that hope so into a no so. Would you mind if I did that? He said, no, that'd be fine. So I, I showed him verse. I said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I said, that means I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. And everybody up and down this road's a sinner born that way, a sinner by nature and by choice. He said, not me. I said, maybe you misunderstand me. I'm not accusing you of going out and committing some crime. I'm saying you were born as a sinner. He said, not me. I've never been a sinner. I never could convince that man that he'd ever been a sinner. Now, you listen to me. You haven't always been saved. If you're saved tonight, you were not born a Christian. Christians, you'd have to be born again. I was driving through. Asheville, North Carolina, and I saw a bumper sticker said, born okay the first time. Nobody was born okay the first time. We go forth from our mother's womb speaking lies. Did you ever notice you don't have to, you don't have to teach a child to lie? They know, they come by it naturally. You have to teach them one time, one time one of our little relatives, we were, we would send them, uh, money every on their birthday when they were little. And one time we sent one of our little relatives a, a, a birthday card and it had $5 in it and we got it back. We got the birthday card and the $5 back and a note. And you know what the note said? The note said, my parents are making me send back all my birthday money and all my birthday gifts because I'm having trouble telling the truth. I bet that was a lesson learned. Amen. Why do you have that trouble? Because he's a sinner like you and I are. So, preacher, you're throwing off on him. No, I was just as bad a sinner or worse as he was. But God saved my soul. Amen. And he'll save any sinner. That's what he came for. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repent. He said, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so, if, first of all, I'm, I'm still on the first sub-point of the first point. I don't know if we're going to make it or not. But here's the first thing. You're going to have to see what you're really like. What you're really like. And then, I not only had to have a picture, I had to pay a price. Now, I paid my own price for this passport. But my passport in heaven was paid for by somebody else. Jesus paid the price. The songwriter had it all. Jesus, he had it right. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. You know what the Bible said? He gave himself a ransom for many. You say, well, here's what I'm going to do, preacher. I want to go to heaven. If heaven's open, I want to go. And I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to live the best life I can live. Well, here's what the Bible said. The Bible said it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Paul said in the book of Ephesians, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest 
any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now think about the, think about uh, what's the order of it was. He didn't say you have good works first and then you're saved. He said you're saved by grace and then good works follow. You don't have good works before you get saved because your righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. There are no good works, but after you get saved, after you get saved, then there are good works. Nobody's ever worked their way into heaven. Jesus paid the penalty. So there's a photo, a passport picture. There's a price. And then my, my name got penned in on that passport. And you know what happened? When I got born again, my name was written down in the Lamb's Book of Life. One time the disciples came back, Jesus sent them out to preach, and man, they were excited. They said, even the devils are subject to us. He said, man, don't get excited about that. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is your name written down there? Have you ever been saved? Heaven is open. Heaven is open like a border is open for immigration. You see, I wanted to go to heaven. But there was my sin in the way. There was the holiness of God. But Jesus paid the price and opened up the doors of heaven. Sometimes we say, I hear preachers use this language. They'll say, tonight we'll open the doors of the church. And they're talking about people joining. And it's a wonderful thing to join the church. But it's a better thing to be born again. It's a better thing to be a citizen of the new Jerusalem. Then get involved in the church. No church ever saved anybody. Jesus does the saving. So I'll say to you, heaven's open like a border's open for immigration. Let's see if we can get through one more. I'm running out of time. Heaven is open like a business is open for transaction. We were driving down the road. We were in between Louisville and Kentucky, or Louisville, Kentucky, and and Lexington, Kentucky. We were driving on Interstate 64. There's no telling how many times I've driven that, that road down through there. And we were driving along, and we were both hungry. It was just Mom and I, and we were both hungry. And um, I said, what do you feel like eating? And most of the time, because we have instruments with us, we have to do fast food because you can't. If you have instruments, it's like carrying children. You can't leave them in the car by themselves. You can't let them get overheated, and you can't let them get overcooled, and somebody will break the window and steal them if you're not careful. So most of the time, but I don't know, we probably didn't have any instruments with us for some reason. We were in the fifth wheel. And so we had to pick up truck in the fifth wheel, and we come. And when we got to this exit, I, ha- I looked over there, and just before we got the exit, I saw there was a steakhouse. And we don't get to do that very often, most of the time fast food, because got them instruments in the car. And plus, we can't afford it anyway. But we look there, and I said, that, look, it, there's, a new, there's, that, there's that new steakhouse open. I said, let's go in there. So we get around, and there's, I had a pickup truck with a 40-foot trailer. Where am I going to park that thing in the steakhouse parking lot? So I drove around for about 25 minutes, maybe 30, trying to find a place to park. Finally found a place to park, and we get out. Boy, my mouth is watering. I think I'm going to have a steak and a salad and a baked potato. Uh, uh, what do they call it when you put everything on it? Loaded baked potato. And, uh, and I'm talking everything but the kitchen sink and maybe the kitchen sink too. And so finally we get parked. We get out, we walk over there, says grand opening, we walk up, there's this girl standing there, and she looks at me and she says, do you have an invitation? I said, a what? She said, an invitation. I said, is this a steakhouse? She said, it is, it's our grand opening. I said, I see that. She said, but you can't get in, it's by invitation only today. Man, my mouth was watering for a steak. So she said, 
I'm sorry, I can't let you in. But she said, I'll give you this. And it was some kind of voucher for onion rings. I wasn't looking for onion rings. They looked like they were open, but they were not open. I'll tell you something about heaven. Heaven is open. Like a business is open for transaction. And here's what I mean by that. You and I can do business with heaven. We can do business with heaven. What kind of business can we do? Well, I got a little thought here. We can pray. We can pray. Do you pray? We talk a lot about praying, but do you pray? Men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's what Jesus said. So in other words, I take that to mean if I, if I don't pray, I'm liable to faint. I'll be like old Andy Griffith said, you get all faintified. How do you get that way? When you don't pray. He said, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. We're to pray for one another. Here's what Samuel said. Samuel said, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you all. He must have been from Tennessee. He said it'd be a sin if I didn't pray for you. There's a lot of sin. There's sins of commission and there's sins of omission when we don't do what we should do and we should be praying one for another. And then we can not only pray, we can pay. You can do business with heaven by giving. See, this is the last night of the revival. You already took your last offering up for me. So I can preach on giving now. Amen. We all learn to give. Say, preacher, why do you give? Because if you give, it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, good measure, running over, shall men give into your bosom. The Bible said this, he that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. And you know what? If we give, God will take care of us, and he'll use that money for his glory and for his honor. It's amazing how many times in our lives that we've given, and when we gave, a need came up, and God took care of the need. And I believe it was because he gave. I gave something away up to a preacher about a year ago. I guess it was maybe a year ago. I gave it to him. We were talking, and he was looking for something. What he was looking for, I had in my pocket. And the Lord nudged me and said, you got what he wants in your pocket. So I gave it to him. You know what happened? In 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 January, that was September of last year or the year before, in January, I went in a meeting, and a fellow said, preacher, before you leave, I need to talk to you out in the car. I got something for you. So I went out to the car with him. You know what he had? He had exactly what I had given away the time before. That's the way God does. But he'll give you even more than what you gave. You say, preacher, how, how do I get my finances in order? Learn to tithe. But let me say something about tithing. Ten percent is a good place to start, but it's a terrible place to finish. I would hate to think that God's been no better to me than ten percent. I want to give to God. I want to give. Let, let's lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. That's what the Bible said. And in the writer of Ecclesiastes, he said, There's a sore evil I've seen under the sun, namely riches kept to the hurt of the owner thereof. We think the more we have, the better off we'll be. But the truth of the matter is, the more we give. And you know what? Giving is a sign of growing in the Lord. You ever notice little children? They don't want to share anything. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. They'll have a fuss. Boy, they'll have a knockdown. But then when they get to growing, then they learn a little bit about sharing. Same way in the Christian life. When we're baby Christians, it's fine. But when we grow in the Lord, we learn to give. Here's what the Bible tells us over in Ephesians chapter 4. And I don't, 
if I'm not careful, I'll preach this whole message. But you get over there in Ephesians chapter 4, and it gives us some, it gives us some marks of growth. Did, did you ever, I don't know if you ever did this, but did you ever go to a house and you got in a room and somewhere, maybe on a doorway or on a wall, there were lines with, with uh, dates on them? And you know what that was? That was that little boy, was that little grandson usually was growing. And so let's see how tall you are. And we make a mark. And then you're going to find out the next time he comes back if he's grown any. And he'll want to check it tomorrow, but it's going to take a little longer than that. But there's marks of growth, and there's marks of growth in the Christian life. Paul gives us several of them in Ephesians 4, but I'm interested in one of them. He said, let him that stole, listen to me now, let him that stole steal no more, but let him labor, rather working with his hands, the thing which is good. Now listen why. Why would we labor with our hands and do the thing that's good instead of stealing? Why? That he may have to give to him that needeth. There's a reason why we work. There's a reason why we earn a living. It's not just to take care of ourselves. It's to take care of others. So we can pray. We can pay. We can have pity on one another. We can trust. We can, we can love people like God loves people. Care about people like God cares about people. I have an illustration I'd like to tell you, but I have to use a high voice and I can't hit it tonight. So I'm going to leave it alone. But I'll just tell it to you this way. This fellow called me one day. We had a bus. We traveled in a bus. God has delivered us from it now. But we had a bus and it kept breaking down. And in, in the course of about, I don't know, I think it was the course of, was it five weeks, Mama? In the course of five weeks, we, we, it cost us $8,000 in repair. You say, preacher, where does that kind of money come? I, from, I have no idea except just from God, because we didn't have it, but God took care of it. But we were staying in a hotel because the thing was broke down, and, uh, we had, boy, we had some times with it. But anyway, I was a little bit discouraged. It was Sunday morning. It's time to go to revival. I didn't really want to preach. I really didn't even want to go to church, to be honest with you. I think about that bus, where that money's going to come from, how we're going to get that thing back on the road. That was our home. Well, I noticed on the phone there was a message, and I hit the button to hear the message. And this fellow in this real high squeaky voice that I can't do tonight, he said, Brother McBride. And he's way up high squeaking. I mean, I mean, just high, almost like Mickey Mouse. And he said, I've been praying for you, Brother McBride. He said, I've been praying that you'll have the wisdom of the owl and the eyes of the eagle and you'll be full of the Holy Ghost. And he just went on and on and on in that high uh, voice. And, man, I'm telling you, by the time he got done preaching to me, I was ready to go to church. And I was ready to preach. He didn't know anything about it, not one thing. But he'd been praying for me. God put me on his heart. He was trying to do some business for heaven that day. It was Brother Larry Brown from Washington, Iowa. Dr. Larry Brown. I'm just telling you, heaven's open. Hey, I'm asking you this tonight. Would you look up here? I'm asking you this. Have you done any transaction with heaven lately? Have you done any business with heaven? Or did you spend the whole day on your own business and left the business of God to flounder today? Well, there is... Heaven is open like a border is open for immigration. It's open. It's like a business is open for transaction. And then I thought of this. Heaven is open like a ball game is open for participation. You can have a part. You can have a part in the work of God. Did you ever think about that? I can have a part in eternal things. 
things that will outlast this world. Go beyond what I'm looking at around. Go beyond that. It's eternal. I can have a part in that. Now, I like to play sports. I played football and I played, uh, I played, I ran track and I was on the wrestling team. You say, well, preacher, how come you didn't play baseball or, or basketball? Because I can't hit, I can't shoot, and I can't catch. But I was quick and I could knock people down. So I played football in the fall and I wrestled in the winter and I ran track in the spring. And, uh, when I was in the eighth grade, we were, we were having some trouble at lunchtime. There were some fights going on and things like that. And so the administrator of the junior high said, here's what we're going to do. He said, we're going to give you something to do at lunchtime as soon as you get done eating to keep you from getting in a fuss all the time in a mess. So they made us play softball. And most folks were happy about it, but I wasn't happy about it because there wasn't enough time to do three strikes, just one. Now, what did I just tell you? I can't hit. You say, preacher, what happened? I struck out every time. I think just about every time. You know how embarrassing it is to stand in there picking up teams. We take a few minutes to pick up teams. You're the last one picked, the last one. And they only take you because the only one left. They don't want you. I could, you don't knock anybody down when you play softball, so I wasn't any good at it. I couldn't hit. But you know what? In, when I get involved in the business of God, it doesn't matter what abilities I have or don't have. God will do it through me. God will work through me if I surrender to Him. You can be involved. You can, I, I thought about this. The Bible talks about athletics. We can run with the race with patience. We can fight a good fight. We can finish our course. We can win the prize. We can keep our body and bring it under subjection. We can press toward the mark. We can obtain an incorruptible crown. There's a lot of things we can do. We can participate. Here's the last thing, and I'll be done. Heaven is open like a building is open for occupation. You know what God's interested? He's interested in filling up heaven. You know what we should be interested in? Filling up heaven. Getting people saved. That's what counts. That's something eternal. If we could help populate the city of God. Get involved in that. I was, uh, I was in a meeting one day in, uh, Silvery Lane Baptist Church in somewhere in Michigan. I can't remember the name of the town. It's a little suburb. Dearborn Heights, I believe it is. And a fellow got up to preach one night, and he told a story. So I looked the man up. I, I, I looked up. I looked up on, online. I looked up and read the book, part of the book that he talked about. There was a preacher by the name of A.C. Dixon. He wrote a couple of interesting books. And in one of those books, he told about going to a meeting and preaching the meeting. And after the meeting, he he went home with one of the families to have a meal and he's sitting across the table and he did what he always liked to do with people when he's visiting in a home. He said to the lady of the house during the conversation, he said, tell me how you got saved. She said, well, preacher, I was in Sydney, Australia. And I was walking down this particular street, I believe it was George Street. And she said a little white-haired man stepped out of the door and he handed me a tract. And he said to me, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And then he stepped back in the door. She said, nobody had ever said that to me before. She said, I went home 
And I read that track, and I trusted Christ as my Savior. So then he was preaching in a missions conference in India. And after the conference, he told that story about that lady and that little white-haired man. And three Indian gentlemen came forward after the service and said, Preacher, we'd like to talk to you a moment. And he said, What about? And they said, All three of us, we're Christian missionaries now, but all three of us were businessmen, and all three of us were walking down George Street at different times, and a little white-haired man stepped out and handed us a track and said, If you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And all three of us were born again. And then he was preaching at a, in a naval base to naval chaplains. There were about a thousand of them there. And he preached. And after the service, the man that was in charge, he was over in rank, I guess, of all those chaplains. They were talking. He said, tell me how you got saved. He said, well, I was a lost sailor. I was on my way to hell. And my ship was docked in Sydney, Australia. And he said, I was walking down George Street. And a little white-haired man stepped out of a door and handed me a track and said, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And he said, I went back and read that track, and I got saved. I got born again. He would meet people all over the place. He met a man one time that was a preacher, and he said, how'd you get saved? He said, well, I was a member of a church, but nobody had ever said to me, have you been born again? And he said, I was in Sydney, Australia, walking down George Street. A little white-haired man stepped out and handed me a track and asked me if I died, I'd go to heaven. And he said, I went back and showed it to my pastor, and my pastor didn't understand it. He said, but I read that track, and I got born again. And everywhere he'd go, he'd find people. Now, here's what A.C. Dixon said. A.C. Dixon said, when I got to figuring up how many people I had met and the people that they would have contact with, he said, I figured up, I figured there must be about 160,000 people that would be on their way to heaven because of all the preachers and missionaries and others that got saved walking down that street. He said, preacher, what could I do to get somebody to heaven? You could do what that little white-haired man did. You could hand him a track and say, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? So, preacher, what if they don't want the track? Then find somebody else that does. Just find somebody else that'll take it. You, I, we had a man in our church, a young man. You know how he got saved? He was walking down the... His mama was of the, um, the science church. You know what I'm talking about? Scientology. He was walking down the street in Goebbels, Michigan. And as he walked down the sidewalk, he found a track that someone had thrown away. And he picked it up. And it told him how to go to heaven. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And he got saved. Heaven is open. But most folks don't know how to get there. They don't know how to get in. They've been told they had to live right. They've been told they had to get baptized. They've been told they had to keep the Ten Commandments. They've been told they had to stop this and stop that, do the best they can. And they've never heard that Jesus paid it all. They've never heard He's their only hope. They've never heard He's the only way to heaven. And you and I know it, don't we? We know it. So let's remember that heaven is like a building, and it's open for occupation, but somebody's got to tell them how to get in. Somebody's got to tell them, who have you told lately? Who have you witnessed to lately? If you said something too late, I always get under conviction when I tell this story. But I was preaching in a meeting in Pennsylvania. And usually when I preach, I sit with my family until the preacher calls me up to preach. I don't, I hardly ever sit on the platform. 
But this particular preacher wanted me to sit on the platform. So I, I came up, I sat on the platform. And we, the song leader would come and he, he, he'd do like the song leader does here. He'd say, well, turn in your songbook to such and such a page and, and uh, let's stand together. And so everybody stand up except for one man. There was one man over here on this side in the third row, and I could see him because I was on the platform. And he never stood up. He never stood up when we prayed. He never stood up when we sang. He never stood up for anything. He just sit there. Everybody else in the whole building was standing up. And I'm just going to be honest with you, it bothered me a little bit. My mom always taught me when everybody else stands up, you stand up. That's the polite thing to do. And so I'm sitting up there, and I'd have to, every time, every time I'd look over and see him sitting, I'd have to say, Lord, help me, help me, forgive me, help me have a good spirit. And, and then I'd get up and preach. Well, the last night of the meeting, they shook hands. They hadn't done it any other time. They shook, this was pre-COVID. And you could shake hands. And so they had a handshaking. He still didn't get up. So I went over where he was. And I walked over to him and he's in the pew. And I stuck my hand out. And I said, how you doing? He said, better. I looked at him and I said, better? He said, yes, sir. He said, I've been in the hospital about three months. And then he looked at me and he said this, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but I have a hard time standing up. I'm going to tell you, I felt like an idiot. I got under Holy Ghost conviction. And then I said to him, well, I'm sorry you were in the hospital. He said, well, I didn't want to be there. But he said, I led three nurses to Christ. Now I'm doubly under conviction. You know what he was doing? He knew that heaven was open. And he's trying to get somebody to occupy. Get somebody to get in. I just want to say to you, heaven's open tonight. If you have a need, God's open for business. If you got a question, God's open for business. If you know somebody that you love that needs God, heaven's open for business tonight. You won't come. You won't come and somebody meet you at the door and say, I'm sorry. We can't do any business with you. No, if you'll come, if you're a Christian, a child of God, you come pray for somebody, God will hear you. And if you're lost tonight and you'll come and tell God you're lost and ask Him to forgive you of your sin, He won't say, I'm sorry, we're not open for business. He'll say, I've been waiting on you. I've been holding the, I've been leaving the light on for you. Why don't you come on in? That's what He'll say. He'll be glad to see you tonight. Let's, let's do this. Let's do this. Heaven's open for business. Let's do some business with heaven tonight. Is there something on your heart? Something you need or somebody you love needs? Let's do business with heaven tonight. Let's not just sit back and say, I wonder if God would do something about it. Let's get on our knees and say, Lord, would you do something about this? Would you show yourself mighty? Would you show yourself strong? If heaven really is open and it is, let's do something about it. Let's bow our heads a moment. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Father, we thank you that heaven is open. We thank you, Lord, we have access through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thankful, Lord, that you'll hear us when we cry unto you. We're thankful, Lord, you not only hear us, but you do something about it. Lord, we've been busy today. All of us have been busy today with our own business. We've been busy today, Lord, making sure this got done and making sure that got done. Lord, help us tonight to think about your business. Help us to think about your being open for business. and Help us to do business with you. Lord, help us not to leave here 
being negligent about your business. Let's remember, Lord, help us remember Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Help us to put you first. Help us, I pray. Before I'm done praying, is there anybody tonight say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I'd like to be. Would you pray for me? Is anybody like that? You'd just lift your hand. You'd be saying, I'm not saved, but I'd sure like to be. Remember me when you pray. Anybody like that tonight? All right, help us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.